Welcome to the 29th episode of the Baseball HQ Eyes Habit Podcast with your host, Brent Hershey, and me, Chris Blessing. We put together an episode full of prospect pitching based on some video looks since I was away getting some continuing education credit for my appraisal license last week, and Brent was getting all the new writers settled in at Baseball HQ. Brent, how was your week and how did getting everybody settled in go? It's uh, still in progress. It was good. Uh, it was great to uh, we're beginning to incorporate uh, some of the many new writers. We uh, listed them, introduced them to subscribers on Friday, and uh, over the next, you know, since last week or so, they've been kind of sprinkling in here and there at different tasks, and uh, we're excited for all the new talent uh, that's being brought into uh, the website. And uh, so while it's busy. Uh, lots of back and forth and scheduling and and getting folks acclimated to the website from the writer side. Uh, it was really good too. How was your week? My week was great. I got to uh, do a continuing education course, as I said, and actually in Athens, Georgia, home of the uh, University of Georgia uh, Bulldogs. So a lot of good eating uh, was done. Uh, a ah, little bit yeah. of drinking at night, not during the day, because I was busy in class. Uh, and and good fellowship with my fellow appraisers in the assessing business. So just a good time all around. And uh, got caught up on baseball when I got home. So this week we're tackling some pitchers. Before we get to our lives look segment, Brent, who covers the Nationals organization for the minor league baseball analysts and the offseason organizational reports that you can find on Baseball HQ during the offseason. And even now, if you want to go digging for some prospects, uh, yep. Brent wants to dig into a pitcher he saw some last season and, and one that we all kind of fell in love with. Um, but so far this season, this season, he's struggling, and that's right-handed pitcher for the Nationals organization, Cade Cavalli. For those who didn't check out our podcast last season, tell them what your impressions were of Cavalli last year. Yeah, I got to see Cavalli uh, in an early and a mid-May start um, while he was in high A uh, last year in Wilmington and was really uh, came away impressed. Um, Throwing 94-95 then, uh, was a four-pitch guy, uh, getting a lot of swing and miss out of the high A batters. Of course, those that are familiar with the name know that he moved up then to double A uh, and did really well there and then eventually did, uh, ended with six or eight starts in triple A um, and ended up lead, leading, I think, the minor leagues in strikeouts uh, throughout the year, um, which kind of then you know rocketed him up some of the uh, offseason lists and um, up into the top Two, it was either him or House uh, Brady House for um, the um, for the Nationals. Uh, but I was interested a little bit like we did with uh, Anthony Volpe last week, um, going back and looking at some uh, game film from this year because uh, Cavalli start, has started out slow. Um, so he pitched twice last week uh, against Lehigh Valley, um, pitched on Tuesday and then on Sunday. Going in, uh, he was a one and one with a 6.18 ERA over his first six starts, 
um, 27 two-thirds innings pitched, 25 Ks, 12 walks. Uh, so anyway, I given given his lofty status and stuff, I wanted to take a couple uh, looks, knowing that he uh, pitched twice during the week. Uh, so the first one was Tuesday uh, night on the 17th, and it uh, started out good enough. He got the uh, first two guys, uh, struck out the first two guys, and then, and then it all fall apart. A, uh, a walk, a single, another single, a walk to load the bases, three-run double, a single. Uh, and they pulled him then after 36 pitches. I uh, went two-thirds of an inning, you know, five earned runs, two walks, two Ks. Um, the fastball was good. It was, it was about 97 or so uh, going, off the, um, going off the broadcast. But definitely, definitely did not have super command of it. Uh, was often yanking it to his glove side early. Had his uh, both his curveball and a slider in that outing, in that short outing. Um, nothing really special about them. Um, and uh, so it was a it, yeah, it was a big sort of disaster uh, outing. And and even the Rochester uh, announcers were saying as it was kind of unfolding that. The Nationals have a, uh, a limit on guys that get to around 30 pitches an inning, uh, and he went 36, and they were like, they were kind of quick to pull him, yeah. but it was you know it was it was definitely uh, not going well. A lot of teams do that. A lot of teams yeah, have I mean, a 30 I, pitch 35 pitch uh, to to save their young arms essentially. Yeah. I mean, if if you don't have it, it let's not get hurt. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, coming back on Sunday, it was uh, certainly better. He allowed a leadoff walk to Matt Beerling, and then uh, like retired, I think it was 12 in a row, something like that. Um, ended up going five innings, giving up just one hit, uh, no earned runs, four uh, Ks and three walks. Um, and this one, obviously, you got to see some more of his arsenal. Um, and it really sort of became apparent, uh, especially in this, second one that even though he, he only gave up one hit and didn't give up any runs here that um the fastball command is just not there yet um like i said he was he was missing arm side a lot um his curveball and slider i mean it's two uh you know distinct distinct breaking pitches um but the but the curveball is kind of a slower sort of steel strike pitch um not really anything that's a, a put-away pitch at this point. Slider uh, at times has some good break, but it's not particularly sharp in the ones I saw. And is and he uses a uh, changeup too, but it comes in pretty. It was coming in pretty hard at 80, 88, uh, 90 or so. Um, but the delivery the delivery is a little rough, and uh, you know he was losing his release point at different times. Um, definitely by the end of the of the good start, when he finished five innings, uh, it seemed like that his he was definitely tiring. His pitches weren't as sharp. But as we you know, as we kind of look back as a whole, you can kind of see um, that the that the problem of of uh, you know not being able to get consistently ahead with the fastball, and uh, even though it's 97, um, there weren't a lot of swings and misses. Uh, with it either um, you know I, I think that that's some of his uh, some of his struggles this year are tied to that and I think it's uh, going to likely be uh, a little more time in there 
uh, before before we see him at the majors. I think you mentioned it last year that you had some command concerns, uh, specifically his appearance at the Futures game in Denver. Yeah. Uh, I guess I didn't really imagine it to be as pronounced as it has been this year. Uh, I looked up some quick stats before we came on today, and his fastball command uh, strike percentage is at 59% this year. Ultimately, you would want some guys at least above 65%. So 59% is a very low number for a starting pitcher and even yeah. for a reliever. Uh, yeah. And really and truly, he actually throws strikes more with both of his breaking pitches. Uh, the changeup is also something that has uh, a low strike rate, but that's something that you see in the minor leagues as guys are developing uh, their off-speed offering. Uh, you don't normally see where the curveball and the slider are ahead of the fastball. Uh, as yeah. Really kind of at a, at a greater, there's a greater variance than, than what we're normally seeing with guys like this. You mentioned the delivery. I'm watching a clip right now. Um, it, there's a lot of effort in this delivery uh, at times. It, it's like he he doesn't seem to have a pacing to him. And when you don't have a pacing to yourself where you can't keep your balance or, or anything like that, you tend to rush. And then you try to take a little bit off. And what that affects is that affects uh, you know the timing of your arm getting through its circle. And in yeah. this case, watching him here, he struggles getting on time, which is very much needed. And, uh, you know, this is a concern that some had last year. I think it's more pronounced now, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah, it it, it did seem that way. I mean, you're, the pacing and stuff and balance is certainly uh, right in watching those outings. I mean, he has a, sort of a – I mean, he, he is a good athlete uh, off the mound. There, there was uh, a couple – certain uh you know plays out in front uh between home plate and the pitcher's mound that he made um and but uh but yeah there's something that's not uh something that's not quite smooth with the delivery and i think you know the others have uh you know put a reliever kind of uh outcome on him uh because of that and and i think that that's uh you know that's a, a part of part of what the problems we're seeing here just that kind of inability to kind of to repeat um, and know that uh, he, that he can uh, throw strikes uh, when he needs to. It's been a bit since the Nationals have developed a pitcher. We we can say that Strasburg uh, was was pretty much developed out of San Diego State. I guess yeah. the last guy that they really were trying to develop that was a big name prospect was Lucas uh, Giolito. Uh, didn't mm -hmm. necessarily succeed there. Um, and a lot of sure. the player development in a lot of the player the development and and those people are still in still in place from those days. So it is uh, it is interesting to see Cavalli's uh, development going forward. I personally have some questions. I I don't believe that. Uh, first off, he was very hard to evaluate for a top 100 list this year. What what kept overwhelmingly forcing my hand and putting him a little higher on my list was, was the statistics last year, even though the, these concerns were there. Uh, and, uh, of course, it's, when you're scouting a guy, you're looking at his, uh, his performance on the field. Uh, yeah. When you're looking at a stat line, you know, you can get tricked at times. And I feel like maybe I got tricked. Maybe a few of us got tricked because these holes were there. 
But overall, yeah. there's there's an elite fastball here, and it's it's a guy that I wouldn't be dumping right now. But there's a part of me that would try to find a suitor for him if I was rostering him in my league right now. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair thing. I mean, at at this point, anyway, um, you know, he's not he's not trending like kind of a uh, uh, number one or even a kind of a number two level guy uh, at this point with that with that inability to command. And I think the, the other thing about his, the shape of his year last year was that as he moved up each level, the strikeout rate went down. You know, I mean, he could he could get this uh, 97 uh, by high A guys at a high rate, which is where I saw him. Um, but that strikeout rate, um, you know, slowly went down as he moved up the ladder, which, um, you know, that's, that's just part of the, that's part of how it works and, and how he has to, each pitcher has to kind of make adjustments, uh, as they move up there. And I think he's, but bottom line is I think he's still in the midst of, of making those adjustments and maybe he'll get there and, uh, maybe, you know, maybe he won't, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to see. It'll be interesting to, interesting to see how the, the shape of the rest of his year is. All right. Well, we're going to the live look segment. So, uh, Brent, you want to give me a little intro Sure, here? Tee, tee you up. Yeah. So, uh, first guy on your list um, is a familiar name to the draft picks anyway. Uh, first rounder last year from the, the, the Tigers selected, Jackson Job. He's in low A Lakeland. What, uh, what can you tell us about Job? So, when Brent brought uh, Cavalli to this, I figured I'd pick three bigger names from lower divisions and try to get the guy from each from like low A, high A, double A. So uh, my low A selection for this is Jackson Job. Uh, and as you said, he's a right-hander from Oklahoma. He was the second overall pick by the Tigers this year. Signed for $6.9 million, which was a pretty significant signing bonus for high school prep pitcher. I think it might be even the highest prep pitcher signing bonus of all time. So tremendous, tremendous talent. Uh, last year, he showed off essentially three developing pitches with the fourth one that could possibly be another average pitch. Um, had a great showcase uh, season. Uh, in Oklahoma, he didn't face the greatest competition. So his, I think he had like five or six walks all last year during his high school season. It was something tremendous like that. Very athletic guy. He's tall. He's strong. Uh, there is room to uh, to grow into still. Uh, so there's you can project more velocity and, and, and better results from him as he moves on. So far this season, he hasn't had like the kind of start that Andrew Painter, who we've covered on here from the Phillies, um, has had and I've heard people say well you know low A is down because of the short season leagues you know basically cutting out a level I don't believe that I've watched the low A this year and I feel like low A is stronger than it was last year and that glut of players it they're older they seemingly are older um, because of you know the various uh, issues that have taken place. We had guys staying a complex ball last year would have probably been in a low A uh, short season league back before, you know, before COVID and before the re reorganizations. We also had COVID too. So like 
I, I caught Job against two lineups, but the, the, I caught him against uh, Bradenton early April and then on May 13th against St. Lucie. And there were some decent prospects, uh, Mets prospects in that uh, lineup. Alex Ramirez is probably the biggest name. I guess Khalil Lee would be a big name. He had just been demoted from AAA to uh, low A. So, so some talent he was facing. Uh, his fastball set mostly 95 to 97, which is up from uh, last season where he was maybe in the 92, 95 range uh, throughout the high school year. This is more like what he was during the showcase uh, period, which was like one inning. That's what you get at showcase uh, and showcase events, one or two innings, and that's it. So you can go max effort. Uh, the fastball had some uh, he, he kind of threw through a three quarters from a three quarter slot. And when he throws from a three quarter slot, more than likely you don't have that high level of uh, inverted vertical break. Um, you know, action coming in. Uh, he did have some ride to it. It wasn't necessarily um, plus ride, but uh, up in the zone and from that particular arm angle, it's something that you don't, uh, you know, aren't usually seeing, especially at that velocity. Uh, so there was some projection to the fastball beyond the velocity. Uh, he threw a great, his fa- best fastball the whole game was his first fastball to Alex Ramirez that he just, uh, Ran right by him. I mean, um, just overwhelmed him with some arm side uh, run and also um, just the carry of the the fastball. Um, he also threw one later in the inning. I can't remember what hitter where the arm side run and ride just went right into the guy's uh, um, handle and broke his bat for a force out. Uh, so, like, the fastball is an electric fastball. It's a plus pitch. There's a potential to be double plus. Of his breaking pitches, uh, he throws a 3,000 RPM spinning slider. It has two-plane break. It's in the 82 to 84 range. Uh, it can sweep. It, But the defining characteristic, what makes it plus and potentially even better than plus, is the um, vertical break at the end of its uh, progression. Um, it's pretty heavy break. He also throws a curveball. He only threw one of them in this start. One of them in the other start that I watched. Uh, it's a 12-6 breaker. It's not as refined as the slider, but you could see the makings of a pitch that that could get there, um, at mm-hmm. least get to an average to maybe an above average um, um, ceiling. And then he also threw one changeup in each game. They were both 88 mile per hour changeups. The one that he threw Khalil Lee to get him out in his uh, the last batter that he faced. Um, with, had some arm side fade and some natural drop. As you may be aware, the Florida State League, they have baseball savant data available. And that 88 mile per hour changeup was actually registered as a sinker, but it was obviously not a sinker. I mean, that's the kind of downward movement that that had. Um, he did slow his delivery a bit to, to release that pitch so like there's still some maturation needed of course he needs to throw it more than just one time granted only a three inning outing and those hitters were ready to hit they came ready to hit uh he gave up one hit sharp single he also hit a batter he hit Khalil Lee the first at bat um uh, in the leg welcome to uh back to low a <laughs> Khalil Lee unfortunately he get hit uh overall I believe the ceiling, like this is a, a nine E 
type pitcher. There is a lot of things to like about him. His velocity, his ability to already be throwing two plus pitches. Uh, yeah. There's with uh, potential with both. He's a guy that probably stays this whole year in low A. Again, he's only 19 years old, coming off of uh, his high school season. Acclimating to the pros, we'll probably see him 2025, I guess, 2024 at the earliest. Uh, This is a long-term investment for the Tigers. It's obvious they've made some gains. I think they've made some gains with improving his fastball as a development staff, but um, there's many more gains and probably some bumps in the road as well. Yeah. That's uh, certainly glowing, I think, for a for a pick as high as as Job was. Uh, glowing, kind of, to hear that uh, development, at, at least at this infancy, is uh, starting out, and we'll continue to kind of uh, certainly follow him throughout that. And it's uh, yeah, it's a it's a great thing that that uh, low A Florida State League that we have the um, the savant data, and we can kind of you know, as the season go on as, as well at the end of the season in, in our reviews, kind of take a look at, uh, take a look at those as in comparison to what we're getting used to with the it, major league data. It also is so great because now you don't have to cheat. Like before you yeah. have to beg for information. You hope that the information was correct. And mm-hmm. now you can go to the site and in nine of their 10 ballparks, they have the automated strike zone. And there's a little trick. I think we've described it on here. I've described it at Baseball HQ. Other sources have have also described it as well to get this data um, and and you know be able to watch the game and on one screen and have that data up on the other screen. You really yeah. do get to appreciate uh, the difference between his curveball and slider. They're at the same RPM, but you see the vertical break on the curveball being in the, the you know 50 range of of a break. While mm-hmm. his uh, vertical is, for the sliders in the high 30s, low 40s, so like you can see those little things. But um, what's crazy is both those pitches have similar horizontal um, uh, markers too. So like yeah. Yeah. Um, distinctive pitches, but you know there's there's some differences there. Very good. Well, let's move on to another young uh, pitcher for sure, 20 year old, who's in in at high A um, out in the. Uh, in the Northwest League, Eugene. Now. Eugene, yeah, then that's uh, Giants prospect Kyle Harrison, a uh, third rounder in the 2020 draft. Um, and I'm just looking at his uh, statistical line here again through seven starts. I see 59 strikeouts in 29 innings, uh, a 155 ERA. Uh, of course, like we said, can't always just go by that, but you're uh, took a look at Harrison, um, and what did you see? So I watched uh, Harrison once last year, and I didn't bring him to this uh, broadcast because I couldn't get any velocities on him at that time. Uh, and I, I felt like it would be an incomplete report. I absolutely fell in love with him last year, and if the love couldn't even get it could get stronger, it's gotten stronger now. Um, this is a fig- physically strong lefty. Uh, with still some room to grow. There was some struggles last year, I think, um, with his power body. Throws from a low three-quarter slot. Uh, The Giants, who are excellent player development group, have really 
simplified a long wind delivery. He is repeating much better. And the walks are down about one walk per nine innings. He's at like three per nine innings, but he was at like 4.5, maybe even a little higher last year. Uh, so they've done good work with him on that. And then he, the way he slots and tunnels his pitches, it's nearly impossible for high A hitters to really react to it. Um, so, you know, thinking of another taller, low three quarters delivery lefty that we've talked about on here is Nick Lodolo, uh, who, you know, of course is older, has better overall command at this point, but doesn't throw as hard as Kyle Harrison. We had Kyle Harrison uh, in this start, um, 93 to 95, touching six and seven. I, ha- I had to, I had to really grow. I had to really work to try to get velocities uh, for this, this start. Um, and this start was like earlier in uh, five fourteen. So, and it was against Spokane. Um, the again, the, the ability to create some extension from his longer limb delivery plus his ability to tunnel made his whole package better. So the fastball has arm side run and it has, you know, when you're talking about a low three quarters delivery and you're, you know, throwing it up, it it really challenges hitters. Um, And he had tons of swings and misses during this game. Uh, And was, it was hard to make contact off of his fastball. And I can see why, the 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 rate is so great right now. His his strikeout rate is uh, 18 strikeouts plus uh, per nine innings. He's just dominated. Uh, the slider that he threw during this game wasn't his best slider. I saw a better slider last year. Um, he struggled with feel early. Um, it's best when it's the two plane break. Um, we were just talking about Job having um, distinctive, very distinctive vertical break on his two plane slider. Um, this sweeper from Harrison is more sweepy. Uh, so you'll get that sweepy late sweep to it, um, which really um, is a havoc thing towards lefties, but it really can give righties trouble as, as I was able to see later in this start. Uh, his changeup is in his mid eighties. It has some arm side run. It's a good change of pace and he mostly sells it. There is some slight hesitation in his delivery that it's not there with the fastball or the slider. Um, the one thing that's a little concerning is that the, it's, it's, while it has arm side run, there's really little fade, and I didn't scout any drop. Um, it's just a flat pitch. Um, and he, he did get swings and misses at this level, and I think it's mostly because the way it's tunneled. Um, it's, mm. not ta- it's, not, it's not shooting up. Um, it's, it's shooting, uh, you know, basically at the same, um, same plane. So that will be, that will need to improve, but this year we've already saw him, uh, really improve his strike throwing ability. Um, even though at times, uh, in this start, he would lose his release point. Um, and, and mostly it was when he was drifting within his delivery, but it was something that he seemed to catch. It wasn't something like one of those things where I think he didn't, you could, when you're throwing, when you're doing any activity at all, you can feel when you're doing it differently, right, Brent? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's I think that's what was the case was it, he he would do it and it would be like okay that's not correct, and would just correct on the next pitch. So it wasn't it wasn't something that was major. I'll tell you, I don't know how long this guy can be in high A. 
I, I'm sure that they're working on something. Um, maybe it's uh, consistency with his plus potential slider, or it's you know improving the changeup. But like this guy, like this guy would be the best pitcher I'd see Double A this year um, yeah. if he was there. I mean, granted, my Double A looks are eight teams in the Southern League without any real great pitching, but like <laughs> Kyle Harrison is is probably in. Uh, the conversation for best lefty by the end of the year. Like, that's how good he is. And Hmm. he was a 2020 draft pick, third rounder uh, out of a California high school. Um, You know, there's some pedigree there, um, given that most of the good arms come from uh, warm weather climates like that. Uh, And again, it's, it's an organization that is continually getting the best out of their pitchers. And Mm -hmm. I'm really excited for the guys that they have low a really double a or below right now um, Mm -hmm. as they get to San Francisco and what kind of impact they have. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's that's certainly uh, plausible. It seems like given the numbers, given what you've uh, described to us that, uh, even though he's 20 years old, that uh, they probably want to challenge him a little bit uh, here at some point and uh, move him up to Double A, which actually would uh, put him in the Eastern League here at uh, in uh, Richmond. Uh, yeah, one of those crazy there. things that they kept the you yeah. you've got Rockies and Giants prospects in the Eastern League, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Because uh, the Rockies are up at Hartford. So uh, yeah, certainly someone that if he does get up to Richmond, I'll be. Uh, I'll see if I can get some live uh, action with him, with uh, Kyle Harrison. The third guy uh, <clears throat> I wanted to check out this week, I see, is uh, kind of, um, let's say, a little a little less uh, high ceiling, uh, but got some buzz over the past year or so. Um, and it's interesting to me because uh, this guy is from uh, Pennsylvania, which we don't get a ton of those guys. Uh, it's not like Georgia. Or California, like you were talking about, and that's Levi Levi Stout, uh, who grew up here in the Pottstown area, which isn't far from Philly, and uh, graduate or went to Lehigh University and was a third rounder, uh, third round pick for Seattle in 2019. What can you tell us uh, about what you saw from Levi Stout? Uh, Levi Stout is a uh, high three quarters delivery to over the top. Um, right-handed pitcher. He's about 6'1", 195. He's kind of built how you would think he would be built at that size. Um, you know, not too fat, not too skinny. He's kind of about where his physical projection is going to be. Uh, he's a four-pitch pitcher. And so he had Tommy John surgery when he signed into 2019 and, you know, fell into one of those things, third-round guy, um, where he got to do most of his recovery during the 2020 uh, lockout. Yeah. I almost said lockout. 2020 COVID <laughs> season where minor leaguers didn't play. Uh, and so he came back and he was throwing fairly hard last year. His fastball was was regularly in a 93 to 96 mile per hour range uh, towards the last month of the season. Uh, that fastball was not as hard in the two starts I watched. I watched two early uh, May starts against Frisco, um, and I primarily covered the five eight start because I try to always cover the later of the two starts I watch. 
And in that start, he was 91 to 94 with his fastball. Uh, and, and he only topped out 95. So, you know, this is a guy that was kind of ranging in the 93, 96 range. So he's mm-hmm. one or two ticks off from that. Uh, most yeah. of his pitches were in the 91, 92, 93 range, to be honest. Uh, there's some late giddy up. Um, he is almost always in the upper half of the strike zone. Uh, he has above average command. There's some arm side run to it, but it, it mostly comes, uh, the effectiveness of the pitch mostly comes from its uh, location and the ability to natural, naturally ride it out of the strike zone. The second best pitch he has hardly thrown this year. And that's a 78 to 80 mile per hour split change. Uh, that pitch has solid arm side run and plus drop. Um, he hasn't thrown it a lot, and it, it seems to have really backed up a bit. It, it's something that we common, commonly see with the split change. We kind of seen it with Casey Buys, where since he's coming to pro ball, he's dialed back the usage of it because you only <laughs> have so many bullets with that pitch. That pitch is an elbow ruiner. This is a guy who's already had TGS, um, so we're seeing probably some effects of that, where uh, this yeah. is probably a pitch that he throws maybe eight to ten times a game, but you're going to see it when he needs it, if that makes sense. And then that's a little concerning, because when your best pitch is a pitch that you kind of have to keep in your pocket at most times, you have to hope another breaking pitch kind of follows yeah. up. And uh, I did not see that in this start. He threw a slider 88 to 83 miles per hour, short, two-plane, slurvy movement. It doesn't really sweep enough. It, there's not really any of that gyro spin either. And there's not really any significant vertical drop. But the one thing that he does really well with it is commanding. Uh, unfortunately, I think it was either the first or second slider he threw in the whole game. Uh, uh, Justin Foscue of the of Rangers organization homered on a 1-0 hanger. And I mean, oh. just absolutely destroyed the pitch. Yeah. Um, while this pitch is not necessarily a traditional with um, generating pitch, his ability to command it to spots. Um, and, you know, we've seen this with a lot of the Cleveland Guardians pitchers of, of recent years, um, from all the way from Shane Bieber to even um, uh, Plesak, um, wow. that they're at their best when they command that slider. And, of course, you know, we, we used um, Bieber, who his his stuff has really gotten a lot better over the years and stuff. But, like, it, it's really dependent for, like, Zach Plesak to – to command his slider. If he doesn't, he gets hit. Uh, and, th- and that's a concern with these types that don't necessarily have that high whiff rate slider. And uh, Levi Stroud, I don't think has that. His fourth pitch is definitely just really an eye level changer. And it's a really, really loopy 70 to 76 mile per hour curveball. Um, I know people see that, you know, that, that, um, 12 to 6 breaker and it, it, it there's that loop you know we we both uh um you know with you being a phillies fan and me being a mets fan uh we saw dwight gooden throw that kind of loopy pitch but there was like a depth to it and a shape to it and a break to it that made it really really awesome um in this case there's not any of those ingredients so it's just like a looper um, he doesn't really get on top of it well, which is really kind of surprising for a guy that's thrown from high three quarters to over the top uh, delivery yeah. or release point. 
Uh, yeah. Usually that's the easy part. I mean, you look at a guy like Ian Anderson who throws from the over-the-top slot, and while he doesn't have a great curveball, he gets on top of it at least. Like, it's always on top of the pitch. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was a little concerning, something that we really kind of need to see move a little bit more towards a workable pitch to get to that next level. We talked about Jackson Joe, who has the potential of being an SP1, SP2. And we talked yeah. about Kyle Harrison, who also has the potential of being an SP1, SP2. And you talked about Kate Cavalli, who has that pedigree as well. <laughs> We're looking at a guy that's SP4, SP5. This is a starting pitcher. Honestly, watching him, I, I got a lot of really, um, even though they're uh, different delivery points when I saw them, I got a really Ross Stripling feel. Uh, for him, uh, just in the sense that, like, this is a guy that's always going to find a rotation spot when healthy, um, yeah. but not necessarily a guy that's ever going to really be counted on um, for for big big things in fantasy. Um, yeah. I, unlike Stripling, there is that one pitch that's that's that really shines, but that pitch is a very hard pitch on his shoulder, or I mean, on his elbow. So it's not necessarily a pitch that you're going to see often. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that's fair. That's going to be my question is that we had him, uh, you know, I think, ranked as a 7D or something like that in the in last year's book and whether that um, whether that re- still rang true yeah. uh, for you, which I think it, it sounds like it is. It's a high, you know, kind of a low risk, but kind of a much lower ceiling uh, for Stout. And um, certainly the you know, at, at that velocity, kind of what you were informing us of where he was last year, and to back off of that just in a mile per hour or two, when it's, you know, when it's a 6'1", 195 guy, a little less physical, I mean, it really is a big difference uh, that can affect kind of the rest of his arsenal to, to lose uh, that little bit. Thanks for the breakdowns of Jackson Job and Kyle Harrison and Levi Stout. Uh, certainly three like you said, I think well-chosen three guys at different points in their development um, with some different ceilings and uh, characteristics. So thanks for yeah. thanks it, for it's so much that. it's so much easier at this point finding guys on video, just because yeah. um, guys are running into the feeds that have miles per hour and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And then you know you got Florida now has three feeds going, so like there's a potential to. Um, you know, see every Florida State League team, um, yeah. which we didn't have last year. We only had one TV yeah. feed. So yeah. um, well, anyway, to conclude our show today, we're going to take a look at where we'll be this week in the what's on tap or where we're going or whatever we call this segment. Brent, <laughs> lead us off. Yeah, I, I mean, as you just mentioned, I mean, I, I am not sure that I'm going to get to a, out to a field this week. Um, with some of the other stuff going on, but uh, we'll continue to be interested, like you said, because these uh, the feeds are getting better um, that we can do this work um, like you did with these three starters or like I did with uh, Cavalli. Um, so that will be, uh, it will likely be the extent of my um, going out or getting out this week. Um, but I think you have some uh some interesting live things that you'll get to over at least the next week and or the next two. What do you have? First off, I have an article coming out this week. Uh, this last article didn't come out Thursday. It came out today. 
um, because of uh, my nice fun schedule. And then the weekend actually had a lot of things on Baseball HQ. So I fit in on the Monday schedule today. Um, yeah. But anyway, um, we got some uh, White Sox and Reds prospects again this week, which I'm about tired of seeing Red Sox and Reds, <laughs> White Sox and Reds. And I want to talk about somebody else. But it sounds like I might run into Sean Burke, who was the White Sox third round pick from last year's draft, <laughs> against mm-hmm. Andrew Abbott, who was the Reds second round pick from last year's draft. We got oh, some yeah. weather. I mean, it rained all day today. It's not supposed to rain tomorrow, but Wednesday's forecast looks a little dicey. And that's when they're supposed to face off against each other. So um, hopefully it works out for me. It's the only time I plan to go out this week because the following week, will be a humongous week for me, which will be getting looks at Rays and Angels prospects. So I've got a lot. Yeah, I've got a lot on tap for that. So uh, thank you for joining us on this week's Eyes Have It podcast. Uh, Like always, this is always an absolute blast. We want to hear from you. So um, please send your questions to us. The Eyes Have It at BaseballHQ.com. We haven't had a question in a while. I don't know if you even listen to this part of the show. You might just tune off because, you know, we're pleading with you to send us questions or, or give us feedback. We're we're like actors. We need feedback. We need critiques. And then, and then when you give us our critiques, uh, we might not like it. But that's how the actors are. And I was an actor at one time on the community theater circuit. So um, you can also reach us out, reach us, reach out to us on and i have it written down twister but it's really twitter and that's uh you can get brent as brent hq or you can reach me at c underscore blessing I yeah, or you thank, can yeah yeah i was gonna say you can reach me at left hand green left hand green yeah for okay. twister okay yeah yeah left hand green yeah we we shouldn't play twister brent First time listeners uh, listening to our pod, click subscribe to get our futures episodes, spread the word about us, rate us, all of that kind of stuff. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, see ya.